On today's podcast from the North Wahala Church of God, Pastor Neil brings more insights from our study of the temple. Today's message is from Wednesday, April 11, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. Excellent. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. Just remain standing. And if you will, let's go to the Word of God tonight as we continue our series on the tabernacle. I am anxious to get to His Word. I posted something late on social media after praying and putting some final touches on tonight. And immediately you begin to gather response from other pastors throughout the state. Um, who were asking questions about the scripture and where we were going tonight. Then I came to the house of the Lord and Terry got me at the front of this church and she began to share with me some things God was speaking into her life about this subject. And I believe God is just going to breathe in this house tonight. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the book of Exodus chapter 25. Thought I saw Lacey Godwin in here. Is she, is she in here? Lacey, hey, Lacey. Lacey did an outstanding job Sunday night sharing the word, her pulpit presence, and her humility. Amen. <laughs> Not only her content, the way she carried herself, the humility that she shared the word of the Lord was amazing. We're so proud of all our young preachers. Her first comment to me was, Show, tell me where I went wrong. I'm open to criticism. Help me get better. And I love that. We all have got to grow. Amen. And when somebody is teachable, God can use them. And when people are not teachable, God cannot use them. Amen. A stubborn spirit always falls according to scripture. So we appreciate her and the way she shared the word. Exodus chapter 25, we will pick up in verse 23. When you have that, you can say amen. If not, it's provided for you on the screen. Let's read. You shall also make a table of kale wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its width, and a cubit and half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold, make a molding of gold all around. Very significant there. This is not just any table. This is your mama's finest china at your grandma's house that she told you, you better not touch or you're going to get it. And she didn't have to define what get it means. You knew what get it means. Amen. You shall make for a frame a hand breadth all around. You shall make a gold molding for the frame all around. And you shall make for it four rings of gold. Put the rings on four corners that are as four legs. The rings shall be close to the frame as holders for the poles to bear the table. And you shall make the poles of Achaia wood and overlay them with gold that the table might be carried with them. Two more verses. You shall make its dishes, its pans, its pitchers, its bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold. It's amazing that God is leaving nothing to chance. Everything has purpose. Everything has place. Everything has detail in God's house all the way down to the pots and the pans. And you shall set the showbread on the table before me always. That's what we're teaching tonight. If you would stretch your hands this way, I want the congregation to hear. I want the anointing to be fresh and the congregation to hear. Ashley Williams, would you pray for the body tonight that they might be ears to hear, please. God from Genesis has had one desire to connect back with his people. When man fell, God immediately went to work that you and I will not be absent from God the Father. From Genesis to Revelation, it's God's attempt to restore the broken fellowship 
Because God the Father desires always to have fellowship with us as people. Here now in Exodus, the tabernacle given to us, and everything is foreshadowing, foretelling of what would come in total fulfillment in Jesus Christ. The picture you see before you now is God's desire to say, listen, I'm going to work in establishing something now that you're not going to understand fully until my son comes in the fullness at the fullness of time. The picture you see before you now is the tabernacle. All around the tabernacle is 12 tribes, three on each side. Real quickly so we can set this up on the holy place. When you get to the gate here on the east side, you see the gate is beautiful colors. It catches your attention. It's symbolic to when Jesus first called your name and showed you that he is the way. It's just one door here. There is no other door. As John 10 says, I am the door. I am the shepherd. One door to enter in. As you enter in, the first thing you see is the altar. Never do away with the altar. The altar is still the place where people are redeemed. Their sins are washed away. When you bypass this altar, next we see the laver. The laver's there. It's a mirror. It reflects back to you exactly what's looking down into the water. It's the, it's the picture of sanctification by the word of God. One once you come by the altar, now by the labor, you make your way now into the holy place. There at the holy place again is just one door. The difference now, the doors are getting smaller. Narrow is the way that leads to God. Few be that find therein. Now as I brought you up to last week, now as we enter into this holy place, as you're going east to west, as you walk now in, now you're in the place where there are three pieces of furniture. Last time we spoke on this, we talked to you about the candlestick. Tonight, we'll pick up with a second piece of furniture. The candlestick right here, it illuminates the whole house. It's the light where everything can be seen. Without it, nothing is seen. This is a representation foreshadowing of the one true light, which is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Without him, we walk in darkness, but when he lights our path, he shines the light that we might know we are lost and that we might call on his name and we might be saved. This light right here, a little bit later, I'll stress this, it illuminates everything in the holy place. Without it, nothing is seen. You cannot have benefit of the other pieces of furniture without the light. Now we pick up with the showbread tonight. As I told you, the holy place, there are three pieces of furniture. The golden lampstand, the golden tabernacle showbread, and the golden altar of burning incense, which is Terry's favorite, by the way. On the walls on both sides, they're, they're plated in gold. To the east is the veil. From the, in front of us, excuse me, is the veil. Behind us to the east is the door. This is the place where God commanded Moses now to build me a table. When God says to Moses in Exodus to build me a table, he gives very fine description. He gives description all the way to the pots and pans. God is saying, I'm not gonna leave anything to chance. I want you to give my people my very best because in the New Testament, when I send my son, that will be my, be my very best. So he says to Moses, I want you to now have me a table. What does that mean, pastor? God is about to invite his people to dinner. Can somebody say Amen. God is saying in my house, there is gonna be a table. Table always speaks of provision. God is saying I'm gonna be the God of more than enough. And for I'm gonna restore this broken fellowship. And not only am I gonna restore this broken fellowship, I'm gonna place a table in my house that my people will know that they can come at all times and not only be in my presence, but they can have fellowship at my table that speaks of provision. 
This not only speaks of the table being before God's people, it is the beginning process of restoring broken fellowship. Listen to me. More great things happen around somebody's table than any other place in a family. Listen to me. At my mama's house, I know, Brother Mark, that I can always go to my mama's table. My mama makes these pancakes. They're not really pancakes. They're kind of in between a pancake, a hoe cake, and a waffle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Nobody knows. It's, it's about that thick, and you put about that much butter on it, and about that much Aunt Jemima syrup. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's the greatest thing this side of heaven. It's just ter terrific. I know tonight if I drive four and a half hours home, I walk in my mama's house, I can sit at her table, and my mother, I can say, Mom, will you cook me just one of those famous pancakes that everybody comes by and eat? And at that table, my mama will do that every single time. And once I do that, my dad will come sit down. Then my brothers will come in there hearing that I'm home. And then we'll start talking about business and we'll talk about fellowship. We'll talk about football, hunting, whatever. But we're gonna talk about things and sooner or later great ideas will come. There's something amazing about the table. The table, it goes against anything of, that we see as wrong. In every culture in America, the table has great significance. In the African-American culture where I'm from, I promise you, house, the table has significance. In every culture, every place, the table is very important because it's the one place that everybody will always come to because sooner or later everybody's going to be hungry. Are you listening? I'm setting this up. Just stay with me just for a few moments tonight. The table is that important. In Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament, let me read these two verses in verse 41 and 42. Then those speaking the day of Pentecost who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Even when I came into the church of God, the first thing I learned about the church of God were Pentecostal, we'll shout a little bit, we believe in a wholeness doctrine, and somewhere it's written on Sunday night, you've gotta to go to Quincy's and eat bread. Where I'm from, that's all they had to eat every Sunday night. It was written in the Church of God minutes somewhere. And it wasn't just so much about the bread, it was about the fellowship, Brother Charles. People wanted to be around God's people. On the day of Pentecost, when God fills the saints with power, the Holy Ghost, something happens. They go sit around tables and they break bread and they begin to talk about the fellowship. Something happens. They talked about doctrine and they broke bread together and they sat around and then they begin to pray. That didn't stop there. In the New Testament church of Acts, every service they would take communion they would break bread they would have three prophets two to three prophets stand up and preach to edify the word but they always had this fellowship and communion together because they knew that something happens when they come together as one this was not a new thing this goes back to the tabernacle where God says when you get close to me the closer you get to me make me a table I'm fixing to invite all my family back home to have fellowship with me. Can somebody say amen? You hadn't seen a Thanksgiving like God's Thanksgiving. Let's move in this night. To speak of the showbread now, if you'll pull that picture up for me, please. The showbread is given a few names. It was not only just called the showbread, it was called the pure table. It was called simply the table or the table of Shittim wood. Showbread means to show, to show forth or to declare. It's also referred to in Leviticus as the bread of God or the continual bread of God. 
In Exodus, we also learn in chapter 37, God speaks exactly how to make this bread, this table here in more detail. I'm not gonna read that scripture tonight, but it's Exodus 37, 10 through 16. But there's seven features quickly tonight that I wanna show you about this table right here. When God invites everybody back to his fellowship, God is saying, come back to me. Now, there's going to be some foreshadowing, but there are seven things, first of all, about this table. First of all, this table, going back to the original text, verse 23, it is an accessible table for all. In verse 23, he says, you make it of a K of wood, two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half its height. It's 18 inches wide, 27 inches high, and three feet long. It is the lowest piece of furniture in the holy place. This right here is the lowest. The emphasis there is on accessibility. It means that it's not out of reach for anyone and it's not over the head for anyone. Listen to me. When God invites people into his presence and God opens up a table before us even in the presence of our enemies, God is letting everybody know that you can come to God just like you are, that the provisions of the Lord, salvation, sanctification, Holy Ghost baptism, wisdom, knowledge, word of knowledge, gifts of the spirit, whatever you need from the buffet table of God, God is letting the newest convert or the oldest pastor like Brother Godwin who knows probably more than anybody in here, he's saying to both of them, you can come to my table without restriction and I'm letting you know you can grab from my table and you shall be blessed. Each of us can come. Lacey can come at her age or I can come at my age. Your son Xander can come at his age or Pastor Smith can come at his age. And nobody's gonna stand there and say it's too tall. I can remember when Aiden was a little boy, he would, he would, Ashton doesn't like to eat, okay? But now Aiden will eat your plate and his plate, okay? Aiden would try to reach above the table. When he couldn't get the biscuits at mama's house, he'd go grab a little chair. Next thing you know, he'd climb up on that chair and he would lay across the table. Of course, mama wouldn't say anything. But God is letting you know tonight that you are his child and there's not one good thing he will withhold from you. You may say, Pastor, I'm needing something tonight. I feel lonely. I feel broken. I'm needing something from God. God is saying to you tonight, you can come into his presence because the high priest has made it accessible. You have an intercessor. You have one that has connected you back to God the Father. And it's, this table is so short that anybody in this house can reach up and grab it and they shall be blessed tonight. Not only is this table accessible, it is a royal table. Verse 24 and 25, it says, you shall overlay it with pure gold and make molding of gold all around. You shall make it for the frame of the hand breath all around and you shall make a gold molding. Would you pull back one of those pictures? I wanna show them this tonight. This is not just any table. It's not just a table that's flat. Go to the next one. You see the edges of the table all around? This is a fine table. This is a table that's not meant for anybody outside of the family of God. I know what somebody's saying. Preacher, you're walking a dangerous ground. This is just for priests. Hold on, we'll talk about that. And I believe I can convince you tonight that there's more than five priests in the house. I believe I can convince you before I leave. But this table is mama's finest china that she brought out when the mayor came over. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When, when the when company wasn't there, we ate off paper plates. 
Okay, that's my, it, just, it might just be my house. I don't, I don't know. But when company came over, mom would have to knock the dust off just a little bit. God is saying, this is not just any table. I'm setting a table for my children who are royal of royal blood and a royal priesthood. See, this table is a, it's a table that has a crown about it. It's a raised border. It's a table for a king. And it's a table for a king's family. If you are seated here tonight, it means if you get a chance to come and sit at this table, you are no longer what you used to be, but now you are a child of a king. I don't have to ask my mama. I don't have to knock on her door. I can come boldly back to, oh, her address has changed now. When I was growing up, it was Route 2, Box 129, Society Hill, South Carolina. Now it's 9681 something with this 911 stuff. But back then, Brother Tony, it was Route 2, Box 129. I could go to Route 2, Box 129, walk in there, sit at my mama's table, and know I didn't have to ask, I didn't have to beg. I belong to the family, and therefore I have the right to sit at the table. I come and let somebody know tonight, you once were lost in sin. You were slaves bound. You were in bondage and you were broken. But the day that God saved you, you're no longer outcast, but you are part of the royal family of God. To put it plainly, you are somebody in the kingdom tonight. You are children sitting at the table. Tonight, I've got an MIP meeting. I'm taking our candidates out to eat afterwards. Listen to me. Leah, I might buy hers. Let me not use Leah. If Wayne Deaton meets me at the restaurant tonight, I love Wayne, but I'm not buying his food tonight. He'll have to buy mine, amen? But if you're part of the family, you understand what I'm saying? If you're part of the family, you're children of God. I believe it's time for the church to realize who we are. We have provisions, we have blessings, we have healings that we have not accessed because we continue to think we are who we used to be. We are a Pentecostal church full of power and if we would just pray and humble ourselves and seek the face of Almighty God, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and not only attain mercy, but we might also attain what God has promised us in the book of Acts. This is a golden table. Angels cannot sit here. They can fly around and declare the holiness of God. They can be our spiritual host to invite us in, but they cannot sit at the table because they have not been redeemed with royal blood. Only the children of the king can sit at this table. I come to remind somebody you're a king's kid tonight. You're part of the bride of Christ your future rulers of the earth. If you've got an image problem tonight, let me rebuke that devil right now. Joel, you're part of the family of God tonight. Jonathan, you're part of the family of God tonight. Lacey, Jacob, you're part of the family of God tonight. This is not just any table. This is God's table who says to you, let's talk again. Let's sit over a piece of bread. Pastor, why bread? We'll talk about that in a moment. Let's sit over this bread. Let's have communion. When's the last time you sat down and had fellowship with God? When's the last time you had communion where it was just you and God alone and you begin to thank God about his goodness and reflect upon his holiness? You're no longer poor. You, had a, you have a seat at the table. 
Let me tell you something else about this table. This table is always set for the children of the king. Verse 30 said, and you shall set the showbread on the table before me always. Listen, there's 12 cakes of bread representing the 12 sons of Jacob. Two stacks, six on each side. Two stacks of six. These are not small little Debbie cakes either, folks. These are big pieces of bread. These are for the priests eaten, into, eaten only in the holy place. At the beginning of the new week or the Sabbath or the Friday evening, the bread would be changed. Fresh bread is placed on the table at this time. The only time it's not placed at this time if the bread is already eaten because God's going to remind us that there will always be bread on the table. Two quick things. First of all, because of this, the bread is never stale. This is not stale bread. This is not yesterday's manna. This represents Jesus Christ because he is the bread of life. It represents to you and I that on God's table, the bread is already fresh. Let me tell you, how many times have you come to church and you needed something from God and a Sunday school teacher, a preacher, an evangelist, a song sung by a singer. They brought you a fresh word at the right season when you needed to hear from God. I got good news from somebody. You may say, Pastor, I feel alone. I hadn't had a move of God in a season. I can't read anymore. The word of God is not speaking to me right now. Hold on. There will always be fresh bread on the table of God. Go back to the table. Pull back up to God's table and let the king speak to you one more time. This is not moldy bread, which is not suitable for the king. My mama only fixes the best for her baby. If my mama can do that, how much more will God do for us tonight? Not only is the bread fresh, but the bread is always there, proven at that time. I would talk about David a little bit. This is what Terry was speaking earlier about when David ate the bread. But also in the wilderness, bread was still there. Why? Because not only is it fresh, it's always enough. Listen, he's got a more than enough tonight. I don't know who I'm going to preach, teach to, but whatever you need, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory. I'm not saying name it, claim it. I'm not asking you to go out there and claim a vehicle. But I am letting you know tonight that whatever you need in the spiritual realm or whatever you need in the natural realm that's not selfish, God is more than able to supply. Oh, what a God and what a table. What a table. Even in my wilderness times, God is saying to Neil Nolan tonight, I will always have enough. I am the God of provision. Since I've given my life to the Lord, he, Stephen, he has never failed me. There's always been enough. When the last dollar was there, Tony, I don't know, I don't know how, but a check would come in the mail. When I evangelized and things would happen, somehow, some way, somebody would pray, a check would come in the mail, somebody would go to a church and say, I was praying many times. People would call and the pastor would call me and say, Brother Nolan, Sister Susie was praying and she's brought a check. The Holy Ghost told her that you needed provision. Let me tell you, you serve a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. So let me be bold tonight. I'm going to be a little bold. We need a parking lot. He is more than able. We need more room. He is more than able. I wish I had somebody touch and agree with me right now.
now. I say it again. Whatever we need, God is more than able to do that in our midst. Come on, give God praise in this house. The bread represents a covenant. One theologian said memorial. I read Doug Small's book. Some of our teaching has come from his book. As I told you in the beginning, he, he speaks more of the covenant, which I agree with. It's a covenant reminder that God is never lack or in lack. He is more than enough. Constant provision. You remember first miracle in John? My, the mother of the Lord comes to him and says, we can't do this little girl like this. I feel the Holy Ghost. She says, we can't do her. It's her wedding day. And they run out of the good stuff. And to do that, she will be known forever as a failure because her wedding was a failure. And superstition at the time says, if you out and were in light, it was a, a misnomer to your marriage that your marriage would fail. Just, just culture, like not stepping on a line or a black cat. Doesn't mean it's true, but it captured their mind. Are you listening? She says to the Lord, Lord, they run out. Can't you do something? He said, woman, it's not yet my time. But nevertheless, he performs a miracle. And what did they say about this Lord who took the water and turned it to wine? And as they drunk it, they realized it wasn't a cheap substitute. In fact, somebody stood up and said, he has saved the best for last. See, the same God of the Old Testament, that triune God, is the same God of the New Testament, letting them know in the tabernacle, I'm not going to run out. And when Jesus came, he was letting us know there's not going to be a limitation on my power and my grace and my mercy and my power to redeem that is lost. I've come to let somebody know tonight, he is still the God of more than enough. Fourthly, tonight is a costly table. This table here is made from the finest, the bread, excuse me, is the bread on the table. It's costly because it's made from the finest flour or what's called crushed grain. Crushed grain represents crushed being crucified. Crushed grain, crucified Lord. It speaks of the brokenness that feeds us. This afternoon, right before church, I went to the hospital to be with Chris and I took communion with his father. I actually had Chris to help lead it with his dad as a minister because the body that was broken for us is still by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. It speaks to the Christ being broken on the cross which feeds us. The actual cakes, can't really see it here. I didn't want to bring a cartoonist up here, but they have holes in it. It's very pious there. It speaks to the pierced lamb of God. It is the picture when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Nothing is out of place in the tabernacle. These bread here, this bread is foreshadowing the true bread that will come, which is Jesus Christ. It, what we would call in the New Testament, living manna. Next tonight, this table, also open table. He can invite anyone. This is what I want to stress for the last 12 minutes. He can invite anyone home that he chooses. That's good. I, I never forget growing up. We live 
at the other end of the county, Brother Tommy. So by the time we got to our high school, I would pick up all the boys in my daddy's truck. I think it's kind of against the law now. You can't put people in the back of a truck or something like that. Well, back in Society Hill at that time, it must have been okay. Because we would have about 12 boys on a truck because none of them could get to school. Well, also, if they're going that way, we come back that way, and my mama's table, my mama's table just became the place where she would fix food for everybody. We had young men from all walks of life, all backgrounds, from all parts of the county, and they're at my mama's house eating from my mama's table, and every one of them, or some of them, they didn't look like my mama at all, but they called her mama or Mama Billy. And the table became a place of nourishment for them. But this table for us in the Old Testament, hear me closely. At this time, the priest only, not even the guest, the priest could eat. And even then, if they had running sores or leprosy, they were defiled and they could not eat. Can I tell you, that's not changed. That's not changed. But the difference is, is who is the priest? And what about our leprosy and our running sores? Let me address that. In the New Testament tonight, we are a kingdom of priests. You still gotta be of priestly mindset. You gotta have priestly duties, priestly responsibilities, and a priestly calling. The difference from the Old Testament to the New, and some religions cannot grasp this, that's why they wanna keep the bread away from the people and say, and I've been watching this documentary on the church in the 1500s, 1600s, and when Reformation came, and the idea was that the people are too ignorant to contain the bread. So let's find some spiritual people to have the bread and we will give you the pieces that you need. No, 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 no. Not New Testament. We only have one high priest. And he said to Mark on your job, you don't have credentials, Mark. You're not even a part of Cleveland Forest as credentialing you are as membership, but you're not a minister, Mark. But God says to you, Mark, you come sit at my table. Why? Because you're the priest of your house. You have priestly responsibilities, priestly duties, and the calling of a father is one of the highest callings you can have, Mark Smith. See, what that means tonight, this table is an open table of covenant priestly people. Do not mess this up. Do not spice it up. Do not divide it up. Do not make this difficult. But you should be on your job and your homes and your communities letting everybody know that there is a table that God has invited you to. I know you once were a drug addict. I know you once did this. You had an affair. You did this or that. But I'm letting you know that when God saves a man, God saves a man and he makes him new and then God gives you a seat at the table. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. Mm. My biggest pet peeve is ungrateful people. They're doing a pastor appreciation day for me in May. That's hard for me. It's really hard. Because I know who I am. I know my faults and my frailties. And I know for this church to be successful, it's not because of a pastor. And so for that day, for me to look like the, our eyes, that's hard. 
And if it wasn't for my bride and my babies, I wouldn't let them do it. But I know the sacrifices that they make. And so that's why I allow them to do it. Before I have for me, I'm unworthy. And what I don't, I, what bothers me the most, and this is just me, let me meddle a little bit. Especially in my world of preachers, I don't like arrogant preachers who feel like that they have this super duper spiritual knowledge that they're so much higher and because of that, we can't even carry our Bibles in the morning. You know, I'm too good to carry my Bible. I, I'm so holy now, I gotta get somebody to come open my Bible because how dare my holy fingertips touch this Bible. I said, I'm meddling, let me meddle then I'll get back on track. We, we separate ourselves so high. I'm not saying not give honor. You give honor to men of God and women of God. I believe that. Our retired ministers, don't ever touch them wrong. They deserve double honor. But I have a problem when we are now keeping people from the table because we feel like that we are somebody and then we tell the people what we deserve. One great thing about Wahala, and I told this in the state office yesterday, I don't have to ask them for nothing. They do so much for my family, I am amazed how good they treat us. I don't have to ask you for that, you're good to me. But what I have a problem with is when I think that I should demand something from you, because of my reverend title, which I don't even like anyway. You understand what I'm saying? By doing that attitude, we keep people away from God's table. People are appalled. Appalled because they feel like, I can't touch that, I can't be that. They ha you, you have that super knowledge above everybody else. I was lost just like you were lost. We should quit playing games with people People are dying and we are acting like they can't come sit at God's table because they're unworthy. Let me tell you something, you were unworthy as well. And if it had not been for God on your side, you would not be here tonight clothed in your right mind. The car wreck would have took you out. That would have took you out. Your sin would have been found out. But thanks be to God, you got it up on the blood. And look at you tonight, you are somebody. But listen to me, there's still some somebodies out there that need the blood. And they're our family. And we need to invite them in and let them sit at the table of God. This is an open table now from all nationalities, all cultures, all people. Brother Nolan, that person, their sin is deeper than mine. No, their consequence may be deeper, but not their sin. One sin is just as vile as the next. Their consequences is deeper. Sister Nolan cusses at me tonight, she's sin. Hello? Pastor Smith robs Porto tonight, he's going to jail. They both sin but the consequences are different, right? She's got to ask for forgiveness. Sister Smith has now got to cook for him in jail. Hello. Still sin. Why, so why are we so, I want to be peculiar people. I want to be holy people. I want to be righteous people. I don't want to be arrogant people. I don't want to be prideful people. That our neighbors in our community can't come sit at our table. I got four minutes, listen. It's also a place of revelation. The day of resurrection. Come here, Bo, Bo, come here, come here. Quickly, quickly. Mark, come here, Mark, come here. 
I'll kind of favor just a little bit. Amen. Walk. Walk. The two men leave. Walk slow now. Walk slow. Two men leave the resurrection. They're disappointed. All of a sudden, a stranger shows up. The stranger shows up and says, what's going on, guys? Bo looks at him and says, and well, you said, Pastor, why do you stranger? That's what the scripture says. He says to him, are you a stranger here? Do you not know what just happened? What happened, Bo? And they begin to talk. Look at Bo. So Bo says, Bo says, well, Mark and I, we just saw this man named Jesus crucified. The stranger looks to him and says, I heard about that. But then the stranger says, but didn't he tell y'all he was going to die? Bo goes, yeah, I think so. And the stranger then says to this one, he says, didn't he tell you that he was going to have to be thrown in the grave and that three days later he would get back up? You're his disciples. I, I thought he told you guys that. And they keep on walking. And they keep on walking. And all of a sudden, they're starting to lift up their countenance. They're starting to lift up themselves. And Bo says to the stranger, why don't, you, why don't you come back to our house? And the stranger says, okay. And the scripture says, watch this that they sit at the table and they break what? That's what it says. And when they break bread, what happens? Their eyes are enlightened and they realize that the stranger that walked with them on the way was the risen Lord. And they said these words, my, did our heart not burn within us as he walked with us and talked with us along the way. You listen to me. This table is revelation because on the left side of the tabernacle, there is the lampstand. And on the right side, there is the table of showbread. And what happens is, is that the Holy Ghost illuminates the table. Without the light, the table cannot be seen. But the Holy Spirit is representation of the light. And when the light shines over here, it illuminates the table. And when the table is revealed, it brings revelation to the body. Let me tell you, that's what the tabernacle is all about. Come on, give God praise in this house. You may be trying to close. The lampstand illuminates the table and it restores broken fellowship. It is the right word in the right season. I've been preaching for six months, but maybe for whatever reason, you haven't heard God. And Lacey may have stood up Sunday night and just because God gave her a fresh word in a right season, it illuminates your path and it puts you right in the place that God has destined for you. They broke the bread. Their eyes were open. Don't neglect the broken bread. Amen? Last thing I close. It's the place of the greatest fellowship. What is important at this table, we're not here just to eat, but we are here to spend time with God the Father. In the New Testament church, the church would have fellowship. After fellowship, once a week at least, they would have communion. After communion, they would have ministry. And then through two to three prophets, according to who you believe here, two to three prophets would stand up and speak and they would learn and they would linger at the table. Fellowship, communion, eat together, preach, edification, wisdom, light, be enlightened. All of that happened at God's table. All of that still happens at God's table. As I close tonight, when I first came into the church of God, 
I gained a lot of weight, by the way. But we always went out to eat, but it wasn't to gossip. I was so hungry, Tommy. I wasn't raised in Pentecost. I love to hear the stories of the old days. I bought every tape, my professors at Lee, Dr. Voris. I went back and I begged him, give me your old camp meeting tapes. Tony, I begged, I just want to hear the word. I want to hear, and it was amazing to hear tongues interpretation in the 70s or the wooing of the Holy Ghost when it felt like the whole tabernacle would just be shaking with the wooing. I wanted so much to have fellowship with God. We'd go out to eat. And I was sitting and asked my pastor, I know now as a pastor, I aggravated him, I know that I did. But as we sat at the table at Quincy's back then, I would say, tell me about sanctification. Tell me about, about redemption. What does this thing mean about Jesus only at the time because there was a big controversy and he would just pour into my life. Just pour into my life. Tonight, I'll go out with them and we'll talk about their April duties and we'll t I've got to teach them how to carry themselves as ministers at a funeral. I've got to teach them about benevolence tonight and a few other things of, of church structure. I'm going to pour into them. Well, God's the same way. He is saying the same way that you go out for fellowship at your family for Thanksgiving and you tell story. God is saying, my table is open for you. So why don't we come break bread where your eyes can be open and where you just linger before me? You've asked everybody else about your situation. Why don't you come ask me about your situation? You've got wisdom for everybody else on your job. So why don't you come to my presence? And James said, I'll give you wisdom and I'll pour it on you. Amen? That's what the table represents tonight. It gets better as we get closer to the most holy place, the holies of holies. Stand with me tonight, please. Can somebody say amen? amen? I don't know if you received it or how well it came across, but I really did enjoy teaching it tonight, amen? I was shouting at home. I texted a preacher just so I could talk with him about it. He said, I'm with the overseer. I said, well, you stay with the overseer. I'm with the Holy Ghost, amen, praise God. Sometimes you gotta shout right by yourself, amen? He's been good to me. He's gave me a place at the table that I don't deserve, but he's, he's my father. He's yours as well. You're good people tonight. Brother Tony, would you dismiss us in prayer as we close out?